Hello and welcome to the next episode of our James Bond Marathon on the Auto Archives podcast with me, Jack Manton. This time, Tom and I discuss one of the most popular movies in the Bond franchise, Goldfinger. This film has it all, a powerful theme tune, a bowler-wielding henchman, a money-hungry villain, strong female characters and the greatest Bond car, the Aston Martin DB5, complete with gadgets. As always, we conclude with our overall rating and decide where it stacks against the previous Bond movies. Thanks for listening and enjoy. So welcome back to the third episode of the Bond Marathon. How are we doing? Hello, Jack. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. So good. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. So I think it's fair to say between us, this is the one we've been most anticipated to discuss because I know we're both already before this, we were both kind of big fans on it. Um, so obviously today we're going to talk about the third Bond film and third Sean Connery film, Goldfinger. Um, yeah. So let's just get straight to it, really. Um, what are your thoughts on Goldfinger straight off the bat? Um, bearing in mind, this is now the third film in the franchise. Um, we've got, you know, two films prior to that, that which obviously already discussed. What are your initial thoughts of this film, Goldfinger? It's always at the, at the top of people's lists. It's always a film that, that everyone thinks of and remembers when you when you talk about Bond especially the the older Bonds the Connery era of Bonds um and yeah re-watching it there's you you do remember why it's so it's so well known it's so um highly regarded because it's it's just it's just amazing isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is um it is just fantastic yeah pretty much exactly what you said there I think by this third film I mean, we'll go through the, the the detail of what what the criteria for a Bond film is, but I think by this time, this is just the blueprint that then is followed from in subsequent Bond films. Yeah, so very like, much. you know, we, we'll go into detail in a moment, but like you know, they flesh out the gadgets more. The theme tune is just fantastic. We've got the the intro scene, which kind of I think by this point is a bit more. Uh, the sort of the title the title sequence is a bit more unique i think rather than the first two um but yeah they just seems to by this point they seem to have got the formula for james bond film down and kind Definitely. of upped it up upped it up more than the first two um obviously with the, the success of the first two and more money to throw at the, at the at the film um but by here it's just they're just all guns blazing literally and um everything just works there's nothing really bad that I watching this again, there wasn't um, many things that stood out or that were quite rid- ridiculous. Although there is one that I quickly want to talk about, so we'll just talk quickly about the intro because before the title sequence, there's just this scene. It, it's no context to the actual film. It's just it's almost like the end of a mission that Bond's working on, and it's not from a previous film or anything like that. It's, we just caught sort of Bond in the middle of this sort of stealth operation, and the bit that I'd kind of forgotten, but it did make me laugh, is that I think it's set, it's set so the setting's at night and you just see this, I, I don't know, it's like a river or something. And all you see, all you see is this like seagull just bobbing along the water. And then you realize it's James Bond in a scuba diving outfit with, with like a stealth seagull ha- um, hat yeah. on, yeah. which um, I'd forgotten about, but I thought, yeah, that. Other than that, I think that's probably the weirdest bit of this whole film. <laughs> it's quite, but to be honest, it's so tongue in cheek, and it's Sean Connery. I, I think um, he kind of pulls it off. It's just a bit. I just thought it was quite funny. Yeah, because I, I, I think the opening scene is is fantastic. I think it's so good. It's 
it's perfect bond it's classic bond and and that tongue-in-cheek unnecessary like yeah seagull or duck on his head <laughs> it's just it just makes it bond because it's yeah. it's just funny and and unnecessary and it's <laughs> it's just an added it's kind of is it a is it a really clever spy trick or is it you know <laughs> what's funny is there's there's no one about <laughs> it's not like he's there's no one tricking is tricking someone going oh yeah there's just a seagull bobbing along it just you don't see any sort of henchmen about so you just realize like who is this who is this to hide from that's what i thought was quite funny but yeah, watching yeah there's, the, no um, one, there's no one there to trick and it's it's dark anyway and he's in a black <laughs> he's in a black wetsuit so it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah it doesn't, it doesn't need it but yeah the, the opening scene for me it's it's just so good the um it's breaking into something is proper like spy stuff scuba yeah. diving breaking in blowing stuff up and then it's then it's proper bond he takes off the dry suit he's got his tux on already he's <laughs> just straight in there smoking and then comes back girls there yeah. <laughs> like immediately yeah. within within seconds of the film starting he's ticked off every every box that you love about bond girl there um who he then just casually uses as a human shield as well <laughs> i love that scene because he just sees the reflection of the like yeah. the attacker in her eyes, in her eyes and within yeah. seconds it's like yeah i'm done with you and just gets walloped around the head by this henchman <laughs> kind of disposed of while they have this ruckus in like the bathroom um but yeah you make a good point where you said um pretty much the summary from the previous two films of all the things that bond bond the bondisms all happen within this first 10 15 minutes of the film and yeah. then and again it's not technically the start of the film the plot hasn't started from uh you know because this is all pre-title sequence so it's all which i think as well in itself becomes a thing throughout the bond films sort of later on they kind of use this as this kind of fun um intro scene sometimes without any context for the rest of the film before the title sequence comes in and then obviously once the title sequence finishes that's when the film starts yeah it's almost like a showcase moment for bond yeah it's an unrelated, show off. yeah it's completely unrelated to the plot or anything else in the film it's just yeah as you said it's just this fun kind of yeah, yeah. epitome of bit, bond scene. bit of a cringe moment that i'll share with you um when <laughs> when i did prom for high school I purposely picked the tux from this. I wanted the white jacket and the red, <laughs> the red, uh, the red rose as well, because no. I just think it's so cool. Because that whole scene as well, like you said, when he takes the, it, which is also ridiculous but great at the same time, that he takes this wetsuit off and he's just got this perfectly ironed, like crisp tux underneath, yeah. and then just turns up, lights a fag, and <laughs> as he's doing it, the bomb glows off, and he's the only one, obviously knows that he's you know he's he's created the bomb that he's just casually just sort of standing there as everyone frantically runs away it's just um it's just so cool he's just cool calm and collected which is obviously yeah. what bonds bonds all this, about this whole film i think is is that de it's definitely the coolest so far um yeah. and yeah it's it is that that cool connery bond is definitely definitely born and cemented in by this film um and and before the even the um the title sequence is one of my favorite one-liners of of all bonds when he kills the guy in the bath with a an electric fan <laughs> and he just says shocking absolutely shocking <laughs> i've put that down as well it's just so oh. classic but like he's done this whole segment with absolute ease and again that is just what bond does right so yeah. he's in 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 15 minutes he's bombed he's bombed some buildings kissed the girl and killed a guy in a bathtub in <laughs> without any trouble not breaking a sweat but yeah. yeah that is easily one of the best lines um in that film even that short sort of fight scene is quite good and i was watching the yeah. um behind the scenes stuff and you know the scream the guy gives out like the, the guy in the bathtub when he gets shocked it's an actual yeah. scream because it was actually like hot in the bath or when it <laughs> It wrapped around his leg and 
the the wire and it was so hot that it was a genuine scream which i thought was quite funny um but yeah it's just it's just again we haven't even spoke about the actual film yet but already we're just on an all-time high massive 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 fanboy (laughs) yeah and then so just the title sequence itself i think it becomes a bit more i mean all it all they are really is just projecting images onto half naked women but what i thought was a good touch in this is that um they had scenes from the film sort of projected on them as well so kind of teasers as to what the film is going to show later on which i didn't really pick up or remember sorry from some previously watching it and i noticed as well they've also got a clip from russia with love the helicopter scene is also projected in that title sequence, but which is a bit randomly out of context. But um, you're starting yeah. to see that build-up of these title sequences becoming a bit more elaborate, say, from the first one in Doctor No. Um, and they've obviously got the gold theme from the title of Goldfinger, which is pre- prevalent throughout that whole sequence as well. Uh, what do you think of the the theme tune itself, Shirley Bassey? It's, it's a 10 out of 10 theme. It's so... It's so memorable. It's so Bond. It's um, it's got yeah, it's got to be one of the yeah. all-time all-time greatest Bond themes, isn't it? So on my previous episode, we was doing top five Bond themes. This was my number one, and I yeah. think as well, just even the intro. So obviously, like we've already said, he has that massive fight, and then shuts the door, and as soon as the door shuts, bang, the theme tune kicks in, and then yeah. you've got this massive orchestral piece with you know Shirley Bassey's powerful voice doing the theme tune and already you're kind of just bombarded like the, the first 15 minutes with just right in your face action loud uh, great music great fight scenes and stuff and then like i said hasn't actually even started yet so all of this stuff all this formula it's just already started and we're already well for me i think for both of us to be fair we're all f- fully on board yeah um, yeah all the film started yeah i like um you you did mention it in your theme podcast about the the strong woman singer the strong female voice in the theme and yeah it doesn't get much doesn't get much perfect more classic bond than than goldfinger is exactly i think it you can you can hear a lot of goldfinger as a theme i think in in subsequent themes as well i think it's um i think so, yeah, even whole, stuff like skyfall <clears throat> is um there's like a temp uses goldfinger perhaps as a template for that theme tune yeah and then so as we start into the film we've got that great there's so many great scenes i'm already thinking we've got so much to cover um but the the scene in miami where um uh goldfingers have sort of tricking uh this guy playing cards um and this is again where we continue to see uh james bond sort of being outwitting you know the villain at a very early stage where he basically he stumbles across uh jill masterson who's basically one of the one of the many bond girls or more so than the first two um yeah films, yeah that a witness he's basically she's basically um also had got it's like giving messages to to goldfinger with most obvious earpiece I've ever seen. That's <laughs> like, how have you not noticed that he's got this big earpiece that he keeps sort of tapping um, <laughs> to check that he can hear? But um, yeah, so basically, she's witnessing the opponent's cards and is giving Goldfinger the heads up as to what he's holding, um, and then just proceeds to. I think you don't see this before, but they, it seems to be like the eighth or so match in a row where Goldfinger's won, and within sort of five minutes of um bond being around has figured out what's gone on gone up to the room gone <laughs> found the room that goldfinger's uh um mistress jill masterson is in gone in <laughs> basically you know just foiled his plan and also stolen the girl and then yeah and then pulls her as well so it's just <laughs> it's brilliant it's just classic there's one there's one um, one liner, or not really one liner, but a um, a kind of a classic, um, more chauvinistic side of Bond. That's that's um, just before this when he's he's talking to Felix and he's with. I don't think she's a she's not really a character. This girl Vink, um, yeah. and and he says 
Vink say goodbye to Felix, man talk, and then pushes her away and slaps her on the ass. <laughs> and it's just... I, it, it's the first moment um, I was kind of like, oh, I don't sure this yeah. would pass in, in no, current I order. Know. I can't see Daniel Craig doing this. <laughs> <laughs> just full on slaps her ass and she's just like, oh, and walks off. <laughs> yeah. just, and it's normal. Yeah. Um, there's just not any sort of um, fallout <laughs> from that. It just carries on. That was the first moment where I was like, yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> you can get away with this anymore. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then on the back of that, we have obviously probably one of the most iconic moments in in the film and maybe even the franchise where um, Goldfinger has basically got wind of what's happened um, and has sent his henchman odd job. But by this point, we don't know who he is. We just see his silhouette to kind of... Um, he knocks out James Bond and then as Bond comes back round and goes back into the um, the bedroom where he's been with Jill Marcuson, um, she's just completely covered in gold, which I think is such a an iconic po- uh, moment. And there's also reference later on in um, Quantum of Solace with Daniel Craig, where he, the the Bond girl's covered in oil, which I thought yeah. was a good sort of throwback to um, to this film to Goldfinger. Um, but it's one of those moments where it's kind of puts Bond in his place because Goldfinger's just kind of pushed back and said, "Yeah, basically, don't don't fuck with me." Yeah, because this is what I can do, um, and yeah, I think really Bond never, is kind of put back by that. Yeah, really, it it take <clears throat> it takes Goldfinger up a level, doesn't it? In in the kind of um, he doesn't he doesn't look menacing. He doesn't look particularly evil. He's just this kind of fat, sleazy kind of businessman who's who who you know does some some dodgy stuff, but um, you don't think of him as this really evil yeah. um crazed villain which which the bond villains always are um yeah and it it introduces that and you're like oh hang on yeah he's um he's got some some dodgy tricks up his sleeve yeah. it's almost it's it's quite hard to not compare him to donald trump at this moment in time <laughs> he has this kind of greedy um <laughs> fat uh bad guy who's who's a bit of a sore loser because yeah. obviously when he loses that card game, he snaps his pencil or whatever and throws a strop. And I was yeah. watching, I was like, it's so hard to not compare the two based on what's, you know, currently going on. Um, so one, one, um, one thing that I find it hard to not think about is obviously gold member. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I've, I've seen that film so many times and, and it's obviously totally based on, on Goldfinger, but it, it doesn't um it doesn't make me like the film any less it yeah. it like it makes me like it more because it's so it's so brilliant that you can create a a whole film based on based on this and based on these characters that in itself is brilliant and it's yeah um yeah i think it's a testament to the to the film that i love i love gold gold member i love austin powers um yeah uh, yes, yeah, just a testament to, to how great this is that you can just completely rip it off and make a fantastic film. Do you do you think? Because don't get me wrong, I love the Austin Powers films as well. But do you reckon you love them because of your love for Bond as well? So you, because I, I don't see them necessarily as Mickey takes of the Bond film, although they kind of are. They're kind of a, a like a a kind of a. Not a, I was gonna say a love letter or just like a like an it's ode. not take poking yeah it's like an ode that's a better word an ode to the franchise yeah but putting a comedic spin on it I don't think it's necessarily poking fun at the at, at Bond films no I don't um, no I don't think it is at all I think it is yeah it definitely is that ode ode to Bond and just putting a a comedy spin on something that that is so good um and yeah obviously Mike Myers must, must be fanboys nearly as much as we are yeah. to um <laughs> to make I, a career out of it. exactly i think as well it's it's quite easy to make it comedic because it let you know just alone just just talking about that intro where in a normal circumstance that whole thing with the seagull <laughs> the seagull scooper hat is funny in yeah. itself to just kind of call that out and make and you know um 
call that out in the Austin Powers films, those sorts of things. It's just quite easy to to make light of, um, of those things. Um, yeah, there's not a, I, there's not a lot you have to do um, to make it sort of extreme comedy because yeah. it's just you just take what's already there and just amplify it. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the next um, thing I wanted to speak about it was was the gadgets in this film. So I don't. So compared to um, from Russia with Love, where he kind of had this briefcase full of gadgets it's just times 10 in this because it's gone from that briefcase to basically a whole car which yeah. is obviously the, the the famous and probably the most famous bond car the Mine db5 which is just full of gadgets which again like we said on the the last episode every gadget that's explained is used in this film at some point <laughs> yeah. so you know when he explains that um you know the oil slick and the um the smoke screen and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that that's going to come in later later on. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, this is probably one of the not just one of the best cars in the Bond fil- uh, franchise, but also one of the best gadgets. Sort of merging those two together. What, what's your opinion of the car and the gadgets it comes with? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I love how you see the whole Q section as well. Um, in from Rush with Love, you just you just meet Q and you meet the gadget. You don't you don't go into his world and see kind of all the other stuff that's going on. People getting shot and set on fire and um, kind of it get, opens up this whole world. You just know that in future films there's going to be even more gadgets because there's a whole department working on it. Which is yeah yeah I like that. And that's he he typically goes to the Q section in future films as well, doesn't he? That becomes a kind of a big part of the of the films, but. Yeah, the DB5 is yeah an incredible car. The gadgets are just the the most perfect Bond gadgets. The yeah machine guns in a car, ejector seats, the revolving number plates. It's kind of it's so yeah. many things that are just reused in in Bonds and other films. And um, yeah, yeah. So, what, good. so what's good. your favourite gadget that's used in the film? Do you think? Um, the car. Oh, it's got. It's got to be the ejector seat. I think. <laughs> it is. Of it's course, it to. is. It's because it's just one of the funniest moments. I think. Yeah. I still laughed watching it now because the scream the guy gives gives <laughs> is just so funny, and it's clearly just a, a like a, a mannequin ragdoll thing that gets thrown yeah. out of the car. Yeah. Because it just it's it's not it's not like a human reaction when it falls. It's just kind of just a falling dummy. <laughs> which it doesn't doesn't ruin the scene um it does maybe date it slightly but yeah it's easily that just the fact that i think it's also a, a gadget that that people would kind of want if you've got an irritating passenger <laughs> just to flip <laughs> just to flip the gear stick and press this big red button for the whole you know the, the roof to go up and the passenger gets thrown out um but don't yeah. get me wrong the other the other stuff is great that like the all slick stuff when he's uh, has the car chase in this which i think is the the only real car chase um in this where he kind of utilizes a lot of those um those gadgets you've got the machine guns you've got like you said the ejector seat the smoke screen um and the all slick which kind of slowly chip away at the um the henchmen that are after him during that scene there's also that funny scene where um he kind of gets captured, I think, whilst he's in the car, which just before the ejector seat moment, where this old lady just comes out, waddles over and just pulls this sort of lever up for the car to go through. And then as he does the ejector seat moment and goes tries to go back through there, cut to that same old woman holding this heavy machine gun and just tearing <laughs> through the windscreen. I just think was uh was quite funny. It's quite a light, light hearted moment considering yeah. what was actually going on. The um the car's used quite a lot in the film, actually, isn't it? Because it's it's used when he meets um, Jill Masterson's sister. It turns out to be for the for the first time, or yeah, well, she um she nearly shoots him, doesn't she? Um, yeah. And then that that car chase is kind of split into two parts because it's a it's a a chase, and then um. And then they get caught and he's on his way back there and he uses the ejector seat at that point, doesn't he? Um, yeah. And then I think 
it's a, a bit of a letdown, I think, is how he just bins the car into the wall. And it's yeah. um it's so obviously Pinewood Studio set and the wall just sort of is made out of cardboard boxes and it's just it's so everything's so good up until that point. And then mm. he's kind of it's a bit dark and there's a light shining in his face, so he just bins it into the wall and he's caught. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it's a bit lame in the sense that he is completely foiled by a mirror reflection of his own <laughs> light. Um, and then, like you said, he just rams it into what's supposed to be a brick wall, but very much falls apart like cardboard boxes painted like bricks. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah that, there's also that really funny bit. Uh, it's not really funny, but slightly chuckle moment when Oddjob kind of looks at the mirror and it has a little smile. And there's James Bond just kind of falls out the car just after that crash. But I think, um, yeah, there's another gadget that we haven't mentioned is during that that sort of uh, semi chase scene where he's he's um, tailing. I think it's Tilly Masterson is the sister's name. Yeah. And um, who's just sort of um, nearly shot him. Um, he uses that like wheel shredder. So it's like um, something comes out of the, the Aston Martin's tires to shred the the tires of the car next to him so she goes off the road and basically you know i don't really know what that actually lead and leads up to other than he's just curious as to who who was doing it because after that he just drops her off at the petrol station and then carries on with his journey yeah and then just turns out that she's she's kind of involved as well um yeah yeah i think it could have it could have led on a bit a bit better yeah yeah but who cares yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so, cool. Well, talking about gadgets, it's um, it's cool as well. that Goldfinger has his own gadget, is his laser. Yeah, and that's um, I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that that scene itself. Again, it's probably one of the most iconic villain lines as well. Where Bond obviously yeah. says, "Yeah, he's got that laser." between his legs as he's tied to this table it's slowly going up up his leg and he says you expect me to talk no mr bond i expect you to die yeah. which is again just one of those synonymous yes. lines from a villain that's just yeah again adds to this already amazing film um just these great unforgettable lines um but yeah i i also remember that as a kid that scene being very tense because it's one of those moments where it's like how is he actually going to get out of this? He physically can't get out. It basically uses his persuasive nature to kind of coax Goldfinger to to turn it off and give him yeah. a reason to to keep him alive, basically. Yeah. So, um, the the plot in general, what what did you, what's your view on the plot? Yeah. So, um, I think it's I think it's actually simpler than the previous ones. Um. I always knew before watch, re-watching this again that it basically was um, Goldfinger sort of breaking into Fort Knox. and um, But I think what I sort of uh, picked up on more is obviously his intention of breaking in. Because I don't know, I could kind of forgot that he actually doesn't obviously take any of the gold. He's there to kind of set this bomb off to... to, to make the gold radioactive so his share prices go up um he yeah. works closely with china and that's why you've got these these chinese henchmen to um that he's sort of collaborating with yeah, um, i never i never got that that plot i don't think possibly until until this time i watched it i i never yeah i was obviously younger and yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really click that that was going on but i i think yeah, I, I think you can still appreciate. I mean, I was like I said, I was I was the same. I thought, you know, it's it's a guy called Goldfinger who loves gold, so let's go to Fort Knox to get the gold. But obviously, that isn't his intention, and I definitely picked on that that up and realised it, and probably listened more than I did before as a as a kid to to pick up on that. But yeah, I think I think the plot is is kind of simple. It's just like the, the classic, I guess, greedy villain in this sense. Um, who has also we we haven't talked about possibly one of the best henchmen as well in odd job um yeah. who who doesn't speak other than just saying ah ah <laughs> <every time. laughs> um but has possibly firstly the a great get up 
he looks you know he's always smart and he's obviously got the um the killer bowler hat which um it's again one of those great scenes where he just after the um the golf scene which we'll quickly talk on in a moment um goldfinger who's who's kind of been showed up again puts a kind of threatening message to to bond by getting odd job to throw his 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 killer bowler hat at this um at this statue who just completely decapitates it in one hit <laughs> and then you can see sort of bond just sort of swallowing hardly after that because yeah. he's uh, realized what he's messing with but what are your thoughts on on odd job as a as a henchman he's <laughs> he's great isn't he i think i think if you if it was a a new film and they had that character you'd be you'd be like what what is this <laughs> who is this guy but but i think just cuz everyone knows odd job and it's been you know so many so many years and watched the film so many times that he is just yeah. this absolute classic classic henchman such a great character he's like this yeah this this small little guy who doesn't talk but scares the shit out of bond yeah and just crushes golf balls with his hands and decapitates statues of horses with his hat it's like <laughs> bonds i don't know i don't know who this guy is like he's not <laughs> he's not yeah. your normal villain <laughs> i think he just sets another blueprint for future films where it's a henchman that kind of has a um a trademark or a signature thing so when you think of someone like jaws later on who's obviously got these metal jaws and this is big guy um odd job kind of sets that up i think because when you think of odd job the first thing you think of for me anyway is is the is the bowler hat that his is his you know his preferred weapon of choice i guess um <laughs> yeah exactly and i think as well has one of the um better sort of henchman fight scenes towards the end where they're i know we're jumping ahead slightly uh but when they're in fort knox and they have that that fight where they're kind of locked in um bond is pretty much just thrown around for 10 minutes or so and barely gets a, a hit in i mean and there's even a bit where he throws he throws like the gold bullion at odd job and it just bounces right off him he's just that yeah this big guy that, you know, doesn't seem to do any damage. I think there's even a bit where he kind of breaks off like a wrench or like a, a lever, a metallic lever, and cracks around the face with it, and he just turns back and just smiles right in his face. He's just not, <laughs> not affected by him. But I thought the climax to that fight is brilliant as well, and I forgot how kind of brilliant it is where kind of um, uh, James Bond gets a hold of the bowler hat throws it but misses odd job but gets sort of stuck and wedged in these metal um poles um, and as odd job's trying to claim his hat back he just you know uses this uh, broken um electrical cable to kind of frazzle him <laughs> against the uh against the um th those poles which i thought was just this it is kind of over the top because there's a lot of sparks and his, you know, the reaction is yeah. great. But I think it just adds to that already sort of those those typical Bond henchman fights where 99% of the fight he's just absolutely battered. And then yeah. using his wits rather than his his brawn and strength outwits him and, and wins in the in the end. What did you yeah, think of always, that scene? It's always his intelligence, isn't it, that, that um, gets him to succeed in the end. And yeah, you're right. That 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 fight is is iconic, and actually that that kind of electric cable against metal bars has been reused by by so many things. I was watching a TV show last night, and that was kind of almost a nod a nod to it. A scene in in a random program I was watching about Mexican drug cartels. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just yeah, it's so it's so memorable that. But it made me think of this film because it's yeah. you know an electric cable and a metal bar. Yeah, that's that is Goldfinger. <laughs> you, you've stolen it from Goldfinger, regardless <laughs> of the situation. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 great, isn't it? And yeah, it really is one of the one of the best um, partnerships. I think for me is that the the evil genius, the big the big villain, and the 
and the henchman Goldfinger and Oddjob are just yeah unbeatable I think in that that partnership yeah so, a great a great tag team I think yeah. um one thing we haven't mentioned is the Bond girl or Bond girls in this so I know we've mentioned Tilly and Jill Masterson who who are Bond girls but they're very short-lived on screen let's say um but obviously the main one is on a blackman as possibly the best bond girl name in pussy galore yes (laughs) um what do you think of her in this film as a character compared to say the the previous two films so it's i think it's interesting the the previous two films the the bond girls or the um the pretty ones at least are very much kind of um disposable don't really add anything to it um and i guess the the mastersons to some extent are are that character and this is kind of the first love interest of bonds who is um who is a proper full-blown character in herself and she's she's really smart she's um she's kind of a, a big part of the plot she's a obviously a big part of the evil enterprise as well um and she's quite a contender for bond and it's not it's not that immediate oh james bond i've i've fallen in love with you i'll do whatever you want and i'll i'll defy my um my boss she does take some some persuading and she she kind of um yeah thwarts his efforts a few times and it it takes a bit of time for him to turn around but yeah the all, all three of them are yeah, stunning women and um, yeah, great characters. But yeah, Pussy Galore is just the name. She's she's beautiful, but not kind of a you know ditzy blonde girl. She um, Bond girl. She's yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm in love with her. I'm in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> she just gives as good as she gets, right? So even yeah. like uh, the quips, the quick quips that Bond has, especially when he first meets her on the plane, which. Again, has the has a brilliant intro for Pussy Galore. She, he, he uh, bonds is. I think he's. It's just after the laser scene, I think, and he sort of comes around and he's on this plane, and then Pussy Galore comes out and he goes, "Who are you?" And she goes, "My name is Pussy Galore." And he just says, "I must be dreaming." <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> the name is just so out there, um, even for like a semi-realistic circumstance like this film is supposed to be. It's just such an outrageous name, but I don't think it um, it puts her down. I think because, yes, it is a kind of ridiculous over-the-top name, but her as a character just comes across as this strong woman, certainly the strongest woman, I think, in the franchise up to this point, who, like I said, can give as good as she get when, when Bond is sort of flirting and, and she just sort of shuts him down. And even sort of later on, they have that scene in the barn where they're, um, sort of fighting each other basically sort of doing judo flips on each other um, yeah. and which takes I think Bond by surprise how um, he's kind of made to look foolish in those in those moments but yeah I think um, for the majority of the film she is so standoffish with Bond and is playing the she's ne- she doesn't she's kind of feels like on par not on par perhaps with Goldfinger but is a key element to the overall plan that that Goldfinger's putting together. She's not just the, the, um, you know, the pretty woman that is accompanying him. She actually has some value being there, and obviously yeah. he's the leader of those that that pilot um, club. I can't remember what the club's called now, but of these, of these women that that fly these planes. That um, as you know, part of the plan is to use this knockout agent gas um, from these planes to knock out the local. Um, army that surround and uh, uh near fort knox what they're obviously trying to break into so she has a, a purpose she has a reason to be part of the plot rather than just sort of britain in to to have some women in it um, yeah and even her even her kind of squad of pilots is um it's almost charlie's angels esque with her obviously as charlie but this this just harem of of gorgeous women who are amazing pilots and um they're just this force to contend with just as a very minor plot point them them yeah. in it just yeah it's, it's just cool and adds adds a lot to it yeah definitely it's um 
definitely up to this point is again I, I know I've said it a few times now but it's another blueprint of a Bond girl later on that she, I mean you do get the the ditzy Bond girls but again you it, I think it shows that you can have a Bond girl that is a contender for Bond and can challenge him and still well actually you know she's a bit has a bit more character to her rather than just a she's almost an equal to to certain extent to, to Bond rather yeah. than just the the one that sort of follows in his footsteps and is swept away by him. Um, yeah, so then we kind of go, I know we kind of jumped around the plot really, but I guess the, the, the main set piece is towards the end where, like I said, the plan is to to knock out the local army so they can break into Fort Knox basically, you know, really easily because there's no one around. They, they kind of just break in and the plan is to make, to set this bomb off um, to make the gold radioactive, to to rise up his share prices in this gold, um, I thought the 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 build up is actually really good. I think the whole scene with the plane and the, and, and it is quite funny how um, <laughs> they've just you can just picture that scene with the army where they get knocked out, where the directors go in action and then they just say right now fall over and you just yeah. got these <laughs> all these different like a montage of scenes where different, you know, sections of the army barracks just all knock out and fall out, uh, fall over at the exact same moment. <laughs> it's kind of, it is quite, it's hard not to quite, uh, to laugh, I think, because yeah, kind it, of just it is like quite someone saying, fall, fall now. Yeah. And they all just sort of fall on each other. And, and the fact it's called Operation Rockabye Baby as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just, there's just piles and piles of soldiers yeah. just, just waiting around. It's so um, it's so easy. Yeah, <laughs> they've just, yeah. They've it's just so knocked funny. everyone else. It's yeah. It's probably the 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 easiest um, thing to to ever do in a Bond film to to knock out the the whole force protecting Fort Knox. <laughs> it's just yeah, exactly. just quite funny. Yeah. Um, no, I... there's, there's a bit before that which I don't really understand, and it's where Goldfinger's in his. Um, in his lair, I guess, with all of the um, all the businessmen that he's been working with, and he he demos to them his whole plan, and he's got the the cool snooker table that spins round, and then they're all they're all absolute idiots. They're like, "What's going on?" And, and just just I don't <laughs> understand why they have to be such tools. But um, the whole point is the whole that whole thing is pointless. Because he goes through all of this effort to demo his plan to all these guys and then he just kills them all and he gasses them in the room. So I don't, why, why tell them this whole plot? You're just about to kill them anyway, just kill them. And, and there's one guy who says, I don't want to be part of this. I want to leave. So, so they pack his gold in a car and then they drive him off and then kill him and crush him and bring him back i just yeah <laughs> just gas them all straight away it, it was more yeah I, I definitely agree with you i think the the crushed car bit for me was a bit more like why because like you said they put yeah. all of his gold in the boot of his car for it to then get <laughs> crushed and then goldfinger makes a point of oh yeah if you just want to melt down the gold that's now yeah, crushed into this cuboid <laughs> i was like surely that's just effort mate you can just yeah. like got our job to get all the gold out again put it in his car and then do it but like yeah it's just purely for uh so you know the director's gone let's crush a car let's crush this yeah, really exactly, nice car yeah. you could have um, just shot him in the back of the head as he was walking to the car or just yeah. gas them all just don't but, let him leave the gas them all but the, the no, whole the, the whole scene the the point of it is for bond to find out what's going on but yeah. <laughs> but i don't yeah, if you if you think, I guess that's a thing with Bond. Don't think too much into things. Just no, enjoy no. it. <laughs> exactly. You can't. You have to, I think, because otherwise, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of plot holes, or certainly ones to <laughs> to. If you if you sat on for too long, you'd be like, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. I think yeah, with that scene where he's just basically showing off his master plan is purely as a plot device, so so Bond can um, yeah, understand so can what's out. going yeah. on. Yeah. 
but like like you said, it, it just kills everyone off. And then uh, the other guy. But the thing is, with the guy who who odd job drives off with, he shoots him anyway, so he's already dead. <laughs> but no, let's 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 crush the car, put the crushed car onto another car, and then take that car all the way back to where we just came from to then extract the gun from. It's just like, like why? So yeah. long-winded. But, um... but also, he's not actually... He's telling them about a plot to steal the gold. So he's not mm. actually telling them the proper plot. So he demos a plot to them that's wrong and then kills them and lets Bond then see the plot that isn't even the real plot, but then he finds out the proper plot straight away. And it's... <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, anyway, I think, let, I think... let's move on from that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. So so obviously they have this this uh, sort of finale in Fort Knox, where um, which I think the setup inside looks great as well. And I remember watching the documentary. Obviously, they they were never allowed in uh, the actual Fort Knox to what it would look like, but I can imagine it would look something along those lines. Um, you know, like piles and piles of gold bullion. Just, sort of just sat there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know we've already mentioned it. We had that that great fight with Oddjob in there. But then you kind of got this um, this great scene just outside of um, Fort Knox as well, where it turns out some of the army or basically Pristy Galore has kind of has actually been um, in on it the whole time and has given a nudge to the some of the army because they pretend to be asleep because they've given a heads up of this nerve agent ahead of time. And they sort of greet well, um, Goldfinger outside of Fort Knox. And then there's this quite of this funny scene as well, where um, once that all sort of, once it all sort of kicks off and gunfire's going, uh, Goldfinger takes off this big coat and he's got this kind of I don't know sort of military outfit outfit on with this golden revolver, which looks great. And then um, there's a split second where he pretends that. He goes, oh yeah, I think I think you know, go down that way. The the, the enemy's down that road, uh, down that alleyway, and then just turns around and has a machine gun, just guns them all down. <laughs> in like he just outwits them in that that moment. But um, yeah, so you have this kind of this whole fight scene, and then um, Goldfinger kind of slips away, and which we'll come to in a moment. But then we kind of just after job uh, James Bond's had this fight with Odd Job inside the um, the bank in Fort Knox. You've got this tense moment where it cuts to basically this bomb ticking down, which is obviously the, the radiation bomb that's going to radiate the, the gold. Um, but the, the moment I really liked in this is in most films where you've got a bond, uh, sorry, in most films where you've got a bomb countdown, it usually ends on, you know, the last second or the last few seconds. But I thought the nice touch that they added in here is that it ends on 007, 007. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought, so it's just it's just brilliant and it's just it's just a thing for the audience isn't it it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing for the, the benefit of the audience like, wow that's quite cool you could just add on zero zero seven seconds left rather than just one second yeah because i don't actually think because because calling bond 007 is quite a, a common um a common thing in later films but i don't think they make a massive um thing about him being 007 mm. in in any of the the first three films and and not not to that point it's just a it's just quite a mild a mild thing that 007 and it it probably is more impactful for people who have followed much later bombs and re-watching it it probably is more of a more of a noticeable thing actually yeah because yeah. I, I i don't know if it's in this or maybe in the previous one from russia with love but they what i found quite um interesting that i didn't perhaps pick up before is they they mentioned all the other double o's as well or they certainly mentioned double o eight so yeah they mentioned him as a in that sense it's just another number you know you know it's something i think is actually when um james bond is on the on the the table with the laser beam he just said double o eight will just come and replace me so he's just this kind of just a number that they can just replace but it seems to be sort of later on that 007 is just another name for Bond rather than just a number associated with him. He's actually just a, uh, yeah, I think even the villains sort of refer to him as 007, don't they? Yeah. Or, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's like a, it's, it's kind of like a, a world renowned thing in the Bond universe that he's associated with that number. Um, 
another thing I, I made a note of as well is this is the first time that Bond orders a martini shake and not stirred. Yeah. Which um, I thought was, I, I assumed and always thought he was in Dr. No, but I think it's Dr. No that, that brings the martini like to Bond, saying it's shaken and not stirred because that's how he likes it or something like that. Yeah, he doesn't this know. One, it's the first time that he actually says that phrase, which again becomes a running theme throughout all of the Bond films pretty much um, afterwards. Although a bit of um, a bit of Bond trivia. So, question for you: What is James Bond's most drunk drink? I think it's whiskey, isn't it? Heineken. Is it really? What is it in the yeah. books and films, or in the films? Is it really? Yeah, because he. Um, I think they've been a long-standing sponsor, and Heineken uh, okay. quite often have um, have Bond in them, or kind of. Um, yeah, they're very bond based, I think, the Heineken. Right, okay. So that um yeah, throughout the films, that's the most the drink that Bond drinks the most is a Heineken. Because you you automatically think drink martini, but like you said, it, it's not it's like very rare. It's all like once mm. in a film where it normally I always thought it was whiskey because he always has those scenes where he's in like in a hotel room or an apartment where he's got like a a short um whiskey that he that he has, but um Oh, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a Heineken, at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think pretty much covered any, uh, most of the plot, at least, and the Bond girls and gadgets and stuff like that. Is there anything you that we've missed that you wanted to go through? Um, the only thing, I think, is the, is the very final scene with a... a um, oh, of what, course, yeah. What is already a kind of a classic moment in the Bond film, how they always have to end, and... Yeah, so it's a brilliant line that, that Connery gives. Oh, no, you don't. This is no time to be rescued. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's it. They hide under the uh, parachute that they've just escaped from this yeah. crashing plane. And it's, it's just, it's kind of similar. It reminds me of um, Dr. No, where he, where people are actively trying to you know, rescue him. And he's just like, no, I'm, I'm with a woman. Do you want to yeah, just leave me alone? <laughs> Um, there's another thing I just it's just reminded me just just before that is the kind of stat the final standoff with Bond and Goldfinger on the plane um, which basically <laughs> yeah um, there's <laughs> there's the scene where basically uh, Bond is saying yeah you've got a gun on a plane and it's you know it's a small jet so um, don't don't shoot the gun because basically you're going to turn into a vacuum and you're going to get sucked out. So he pretty much tells him what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Goldfinger doesn't listen and it goes off. Um, what did you think? What did you think of that scene and the kind of how they pull off sort of Goldfinger getting killed off? Um, that scene made me scared of flying for <laughs> for years. <laughs> and um, yeah, my my dad would always point out in the you know on a plane the, the windows the little the double glazing there's like a little yeah. there's always a little dot that looks like a hole yeah every single flight my dad would say there's a hole in a window you're gonna get sucked <laughs> out like gold like goldfinger like yeah it's just um yeah it's quite a funny a funny way for a for a bond villain to die isn't it just <laughs> it is a bit of his own plane with his <laughs> Fat ass barely fits through the windows. <laughs> I think it is quite funny. It just happens so quick as well, where basically they've got this like really badly sort of um it's not animated, but like this scene where he's just like floating in the plane and they just get sucked out. It's just quite I think it's actually a, a um a death scene fitting of his character where it's kind of this he is this kind of bumbling fat idiot that's greedy and he's just you know he's told up front um don't do this thing don't shoot the gun and he's thought yeah. well you know I'll, I'll do what i want sort of thing and he kind of goes out like you said in this this ridiculous over the top way where he's he's own his own fault i guess basically where he's just not listening and because of his own um you know because the fact he did shoot that gun he's he's created the whole problem for himself and he's been victim to it. So I think it's kind of car- karma, I think, is um, the best way to describe how he's sort of killed off. Yeah. Which I, I yeah, think it's almost, it, um, it's almost his own ego that, that gets him in the end. And that's it. Yeah, the, the relevance to Trump again there. <laughs> yeah, 
exactly. He's only got himself to blame, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we've pretty much covered quite a lot of Goldfinger. So I think we pretty much know the answer to this, but what if you had to put a rating to Goldfinger, what would it be? It's out of ten. Ten out of ten. And it's it's one of my all-time favourite films. And actually watching it watching it back, um, like I said in the in the last episode, I think there was a it felt like a jump in um in modernness between um from Russia with Love after Doctor No and and this to me did not it didn't seem like a like a film from the sixties. It didn't feel old, it felt relevant, it felt um clever, it, it just hasn't aged badly, I don't think at all. And actually some of the bits that you may think have aged are actually just um they become comical and just make the film even better. Um and yeah, I think yeah, the theme's great, the the plot's brilliant, kind of it's got goals, it's got nukes, it's got lasers, it's got <laughs> a bloke who throws a hat. It's just yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me it's um it's the it's 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 pure bond. And it's just yeah. iconic. It just sums up Bond perfectly. I think. So, um, I yeah. I couldn't say it any better myself. I think I think it's the seminal Bond film, and I think sets the tone for future films. Like like we said, you know, the car becomes a big thing because of this film. The gadgets become a bigger thing because of this film. The villains and the henchmen and the Bond girls having a bit more character is because of this, um, and the theme tune as well. Like you said. It's one of the best, and and I think obviously Shirley Bassey returns and, and gives another theme tune, which is just as iconic, I think, than, as this one. Um, but yeah, I, I agree everything you've just said. It 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 hasn't aged badly. It's still a great fun film to watch. The plot in this one, I think, as other films, Bond films go, is relatively straightforward. It's not too complex, but again, you're not necessarily there for the story, but it's it's easy enough to follow great villain great um henchman it just sets the it's just the the formula like i said right at the start is is finally sort of finalized here um and is then sort of bottled up and and utilized and as a basis for the rest of the franchise i think um so yeah for me as well is also um a 10 out of 10 it was always going to be 10 out of 10 um so Bearing in mind now we pretty much know the the answer to this as well, but bearing in mind we're three films in now, how are we ranking those? So I guess for me it's it's Goldfinger, Doctor No from Mushroom of Love. Is that the same for you? Same order for me, yeah. Yeah, okay. Obviously it's going to get more interesting the further we get through the franchise, how our lists may start to differ. I know we're only yeah. three episodes in, but um, yeah, this was the one I was eagerly awaiting to discuss because just a fanboy i think we both are just to definitely definitely yeah. every yeah. every aspect of it i think it would be interesting from now following on from following on from um yeah which is our it's our favorite so far definitely and it's yeah. um it's got such a big place in my in my heart um yeah to see how the others can compare um of i think there's probably quite a few in a row now that I haven't seen um, or really remember that much. Um, yeah. Haven't, I mean, I haven't seen for, for a long time and I'll be surprised actually if there isn't, um, isn't one or two that I, that I don't remember at all or maybe haven't, haven't actually seen before. Um, so yeah. Nice. On yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to um, the next one in Thunderball because I have, there are some Bond films I've seen a lot, Goldfinger being the top of that pile, I think with Doctor No. Thunderball I've only ever seen once. Like the first time round I was doing the, you know, the Bond marathon uh, years ago when I was sort of getting the DVDs and collecting them as a, as a kid. Um, so I'm interested to revisit this because now sort of, you know, as I'm sure you would have been as well watching these as a kid, plot isn't the thing you're there for. It's the action, the set pieces and the Bond girls and all that stuff. So having that, watching it now more as, a, as an adult, I'm eager to see 
how all of those things now work for this film, but especially on the back of our favourite one, Goldfinger. Yeah. What what elements from Goldfinger do they do they take on to Thunderball? What do they drop and that sort of thing? So yeah, looking forward to to rewatching that and then sharing our views on it for the next episode. Yeah, it's interesting Thunderball because when I was growing up, I I I'm sorry to say that I really like I liked the film um, Never Say Never Again, which <laughs> Connery came back to do and. And as a kid, I watched that film over and over and over mm. and and didn't realise it wasn't part of the, the normal Bond yeah. franchise or whatever, never put two and two together that he's playing Bond, but didn't for, for years. I had no concept of which films came after the others. Um, yeah. And so I've seen that remake probably 15, 20 times, <laughs> but, but maybe Thunderball only once. Um, and... And as a kid, probably so. Yeah, I, I know, um, I know that I know the plot, but I can't can't picture it. So I'll be interested to see um, whether that skews my my view of it. But yeah, looking forward to it. I think as well. I've so I've never seen Never Say Never Again. So I think perhaps we could cover that as a, a shorter episode from a fresh perspective from me, who's you know seen all of the official Bond films. Yeah. So to look at this and see, you know, where it stands against the others as well. But perhaps we'll cover that at a later date. Right. Thanks. Thanks again for your time today. As always, they these absolutely fly by, um, um, especially talking about our ultimate favourite Bond film. Um, yeah. So thanks again for talking about Goldfinger today and we will get you back on for Thunderball. Cool. Thanks very much. No worries. Yes. Take it easy. Yes. Thanks.